Legacy Coder Podcast Episode 7, recap of the German Adabase and Natural User Group Meeting in Darmstadt in November 2018. Hello and welcome to Legacy Coder Episode 7. My name is Stefan Macke and today I want to talk about the user group meeting, the German user group meeting in November 2018 in Darmstadt at Software AG's headquarter, where uh, all the database and natural people from all over Germany gathered and talked about what's new and what's hot in database and natural these days. And um, I can't talk about all the topics that we discussed during this two-day meeting, but um, yeah, I'm gonna pick the ones that I was interested in the most, so I hope that they are also interesting for you. So the topics I picked for today are testing natural applications, which was a very hot topic for many other natural customers. Um, Adabase gets a new TCP IP interface that can be used for deploying Adabase to a Docker container. Then I'll give a quick uh, overview about what's new in Natural and Natural 1 in the October 2018 release, um, the release with version number 9. And I'm going to talk about the design thinking workshop we did with Software AG's Adam Egger at the user group and what we came up with as a result. Then there was a topic uh, API management with Adabase Natural. There's a new way of publishing your natural sources as services and especially REST services. Then, of course, we're going to talk about Adabase and Natural running inside a Docker container. And last but not least, I'm going to talk about static code analysis for Natural. One of my colleagues wrote a Natural One plugin that analyzes natural sources for code smells or vulnerabilities, for example, and also gives you the possibility to refactor your natural code right from within Natural One. So I'll start with a quick overview. There were about 60 attendees from all over Germany and from many different um, companies, for example, banks and insurance companies. But there was also a chip manufacturer who runs um, Adabase and Natural for their chip producing plant. And there were also customers that I didn't know before, so many new faces. And there were also some new young faces, which is, of course, very important for us because our natural community needs the generational change, as you might have already heard. We even took a picture of all the young natural talents. You can take a look at uh, that in our new Xing group. So if you're German speaking and uh, you are a Xing member, feel free to join our community at Xing. So you can, yeah, for example, take a look at the picture we took at the user group. But there were also many known faces, at least for me. I've been to these user groups for yeah a few years now on a regular basis and uh, yeah you get to know the people who join the user group and uh, it's always interesting to see what the other companies are up to and what they try to do with natural and how they use natural and um, yeah it was very inspiring for me to see what other companies do with natural and i took home Lots of notes from the talks, but also from talking to other customers. 
An interesting number, at least for me, was to hear how many natural customers still work on the mainframe. And one of Software AG's staff said that 60% of AWS natural customers still work on the mainframe and the other 40% already work on LUW, so Linux, Unix or Windows. And that was an interesting number for me because I thought that uh, it was more like 50-50, but it seems as if the mainframe is still the dominating platform for AWS and Natural. And many of the customers run their mission-critical systems on AWS and Natural. I've mentioned a few of them before, but there were also some hospitals, uh, some travel agencies, the tax administration, um, police stations, for example, banks, insurances, a nuclear power plant, <laughs> as you might have already heard. And yeah, I mentioned the microchip uh, factories before. So many different industries and many different use cases for natural database applications. But as it turns out, many of those companies still have the same problems. And I've compiled a list of four of them. And I think the main problem most of the companies still have is generational change. How can they replace their older workforce with young talent that uh, yeah are able to program natural and for example administer an database database then of course there's the topic of rehosting as we heard all earlier 60% of the customers are still on the mainframe and it costs a lot of money so many companies try to get off the mainframe and migrate to LUW Or if they have to stay on the mainframe, they try to reduce the costs. For example, zip enablement, this um, additional processor on the mainframe that uh, costs less money than the main processor. And AWS and Natural can now be run on this zip processor if you install some piece of software. To be honest, I don't know what you have to install, but please talk to SoftwareG and they will be glad to help you with that. And one of the main topics that we discussed in the group was how to test your natural applications. And uh, that's what I want to get into now. We did a design thinking workshop with Adam Egger of Software AG and we discussed the topic of continuous deployment or DevOps with Adabase and Natural. Design thinking is some kind of process for finding and defining problems and, of course, finding solutions for these problems. You um, try to come up, for example, with some crazy ideas just to get your brain moving in the right direction. And um, after you defined lots of crazy ideas, um, for example, let's say that you have an unlimited amount of money and time. So what crazy ideas can you come up with to solve the problem at hand? But if you did that, Then you'll introduce some restrictions. For example, uh, well, let's say we only have 200 euros instead of an unlimited amount of money. And the ideas that you came up with before might still be possible, although you might have to reduce the scope of the idea. Um, the, the example that we worked with was, let's say that we want to have a party in the evening and we have to come up with the 
most interesting, the most fun party. And we have unlimited amount of money at our hands. So one of the examples from uh, the crowd was let's all go to Hawaii and uh, yeah, have a trip to Hawaii and party on the beach, for example. And after we introduced the restriction of having only, for example, 200 euros, um, the idea of going to Hawaii could be reduced to, well, let's go to some place where it's warm and uh, have some cocktails and find a DJ, for example, that uh, plays uh, beach music. And uh, by doing that, we were able to reduce the cost enormously, but still get uh, something like a beach party on Hawaii. So our topic was how to introduce DevOps into an existing database natural environment. And we split the group into four smaller groups who all try to come up with solutions for the problem of introducing DevOps to Adabase and Natural. And the main pain points that the groups came up with were manual testing effort, lots of different versions of tools, for example, natural versions, Adabase versions on the different stages of your environment, and manual deployment efforts. So copying and pasting natural modules in the evening from one stage to the next, etc. There were many additional problems. I even took a photo of the flip chart, so you can take a look at that in the show notes if you want. But when the group took a vote, what problem we should focus on, um, yeah, most of the people decided that testing effort should be addressed because you can't do continuous deployment to the production stage if you have to do manual testing that's simply not possible i already recorded a whole episode about continuous deployment and how we at alta oldenburger do it with adobe's natural so i'm not going to go into the details here however we decided that testing should be the main topic of the next user group meeting And we want to talk about the different solutions that the companies came up with for this testing problem. If you have your own solution for testing natural applications, feel free to contact me. I would love to see what other companies are doing. Oh, and by the way, the next German user group meeting will be held in April 2019 at Alte Oldenburger in Fechter. So my company where I work, we will be the host of the next user group meeting and I'm really looking forward to that. So if you're listening to this podcast and you are from Germany and you would like to join us in Fechter at Alte Oldenburger, just get in touch with me. Okay, so let's see what's new in Adabase. Adabase gets a new TCP IP interface. So instead of using the native IPC interface that Natural uses, you can now access Adabase over TCP IP. So why would you want to do that? Well, if you would like to deploy Adabase into a Docker container, you definitely have to use TCP IP because the database will run in a different container than your natural application. For example, if you split your application, for example, your RPC service and your um, interactive natural application, for example, into two containers and database into a third, how will they be able to communicate? They have to communicate over the network, although it's not a real network, 
uh, but Docker's internal network. But however, these two containers are separate from each other. So they have to communicate via the network. And therefore, Adabase needs to have a TCP IP interface that can be accessed from the outside, from the natural container. And starting with the October release of 2018, Adabase has this TCP IP interface baked in and you can simply enable it and you can access Adabase over TCP IP, which means that also non-natural clients can use this interface for talking to Adabase if you would like to do that. However, if you need more than four concurrent connections to Adabase, you still need a license for Entire Network, a product by Software AG. With Entire Network, you were able to connect to Adabase over the network yeah, for some years now. And they decided to use this technology for Docker enablement of Adabase. However, you need to buy licenses if you don't already have some for entire network. That's a bit of a drawback. If you don't use entire network, um, yeah, you will be restricted to four concurrent connections, which of course isn't a lot if you run your production natural application on that. If you have any concerns regarding performance, Software AG assured us that the TCP IP interface will be exactly as fast as the native IPC interface. As long as you run your natural and database container on the same host. So the host machine that runs the Docker containers, if natural and database containers run on the same host system, then of course the two containers don't really have to communicate over the network with each other, but Docker manages this internal network on the same host. And if you use this constellation, then the connection will be as fast as if you run Adabase and Natural on a single host without any container in between. And on top of that, Adabase can now be administered via a REST interface. So um, perhaps you heard about the Adabase Manager, which is a web application that can be used for managing your Adabase databases. And Adabase itself can also now be administered via a REST interface. For, so for example, you can script your administration tasks and create your own UI, for example, if you don't want to use the database manager for whatever reason. And this is also an important step towards continuous deployment of database databases, because now you are able to script all the tasks that are needed to set up your next stage database, for example. So you can see that Software AG really invests into this containerization and uh, DevOps process and makes Adabase and Natural ready for this new kind of deployment. And you can also see that on the client side, if you take a look at the IDE at Natural 1 with release version 9, Natural 1 is now the only IDE, the only natural editor that's available. The big change coming with version 9 is that the natural editor, the old editor on the green screen, will be disabled by default. So if you want to program with natural, you need natural one on the client and you need to switch to a repository based development process. The editor on the mainframe or on uh, Linux or Windows or wherever your natural environment runs will be disabled. So, so you can't take a look at the sources anymore or, God forbid, 
edit the sources directly on the server. Um, that's not really correct. You can still take a look at the sources. For example, you can do a list command and see your natural sources, but you can't edit them anymore. So you can't store them or catalog them or save them or whatever. And because Natural One now is the default editor for Natural, SoftwareG had to implement some features that were still missing in the editor before release number nine. For example, access to Natural utilities that could only be accessed from the command line. Error messages can now be seen inside Natural One. So if you get uh, Natural Error 82, for example, and you want to find out what the message is and how you can fix the error, you can now search for those error messages inside Natural One. However, um, these error messages are transferred from the server and you need to enable WebIO. So this Natural One Tomcat thing is started and connects to the server and transfers the error messages from the server. It's not a local thing that's running inside Eclipse. It's connecting to your natural server, which of course means that you get the real error messages from the server environment and not something duplicated inside Eclipse, but you need this server connection. That's um, yeah, a, a small drawback, I think. And you can now also access your user exits from within Natural One. So if you were used to logging on to SysExt and taking a look at all the example programs and um, yeah, find the right PDA for your user exit, etc., you can now do that from within Natural One. And the idea is the same as with the error messages. You have to enable WebIO and uh, Eclipse connects to your natural environment and transfers all the information from there. So from now on, you won't have to ever leave Eclipse again to take a look at your natural environment. You can do all these tasks from within your IDE. Another interesting thing about natural one and only, which is the marketing phrase that Software AG uses for natural version 9, is that you don't have to buy additional licenses for working with Natural One. Because the Natural Editor on the target server is now disabled, Software AG has to provide a solution for their customers and they provide this solution via Natural One. So you don't have to buy licenses for Natural One anymore. If you have a Natural server license you get natural one for free without any additional cost no matter how many developers work with natural one before you had to license natural one for every individual developer now if you switch to natural version 9 on the server you get natural one for free no matter how many developers work with your environment there were also a few changes in the ant build files that you can generate from within Natural One for doing some kind of continuous integration. For example, building your natural sources with uh, Jenkins, you had to create these ant files and uh, run them inside Jenkins. And there were a few additions. For example, you can disable the logging output. And that's something that I am very interested in because when we upload our yeah, 17,000 modules to the server, the log file gets really, really big. And for every individual upload, I think there are four log lines generated inside the log. And they, yeah, I'm, I'm, I really don't care about them. And before I wasn't able to disable all this 
very extensive logging. And now I am. I saw a little check mark on one of the screenshots that simply disables all of this logging information. To be honest, I hadn't had the chance to try it out myself, so I'm hoping that it uh, does the job. But uh, if it doesn't, I'll definitely write a blog post about that. <laughs> And in an earlier version of this uh, Ant build thing, the natural libraries were cataloged in the wrong order. In our case the step lips for example were cataloged last so we had lots of compilation errors when we used the ARN script to deploy our natural software and that's why we came up with our own solution for compiling our natural project however in the new version the natural modules are all cataloged in the correct order. For example, all the data areas will be cataloged first, then the functions, the subprograms, etc. No matter in which library the source actually resides. I haven't tried that feature neither, but I'm going to look into that because maybe we can get rid of our own compilation implementation and use Software AG's ARN script. Another topic that was presented by SoftwareG at the user group was API management with AWS and Natural. And the idea here is that you can reuse your existing Natural modules as services, especially as REST services, for other applications. So there's no new investment, for example, rewriting all your existing Natural programs, but you can simply take the existing ones and publish them with a few clicks. At least those were the marketing terms. And SoftwareG did a live demo of that. If you have an entire X license, you can now get a free restricted version of Web Methods integration server with which you can really publish your services with just a few clicks. And we saw that in the live demo. There's this integration server. You right-click on an IDL file that you already know if you work with X, And a few seconds later, you have a fully functional REST resource with get, post, put, delete methods on top of that. And the resource calls into your natural program to do its job. So if you're not already a Web Methods Integration Server customer, but you have an Anti-X license, I would definitely recommend to contact SoftwareG about this new possibility of publishing your existing natural modules as REST services. Because it's really very easy to do that. And I speak from experience. We have Web Methods Integration Server for a few years now. And especially over the last few months, I developed lots of REST services on top of natural programs. And it's super fast. It's very reliable. And it's very easy to do. The restricted integration server that's shipped with X starting from the October release can't be used for anything else than these entire X services. So if you need additional stuff like connecting to SAP or creating flow services with additional logic, etc., you need to buy a license for the whole integration server product. But to start and to simply publish your natural programs as REST services, I can recommend this approach. And it works 
both ways, by the way. So outgoing and incoming calls. If you want to publish your natural modules as services, which I would call incoming because other systems call into natural, that's possible with this restricted version of integration server. But you can also do the opposite. You can also call REST services or any other service for that matter from within natural. So you can generate an IDL file for the external service and generate a natural stub that calls this service. So you can really connect your database natural application to the outside world, no matter if the outside world wants to call you or if you want to call the outside world. And this really only takes a few seconds. Of course, the generated code should be optimized by a developer. I uh, speak from experience here. But if you just want to get started and um, don't want to invest lots of time, this solution is really cool. On the second day of the conference, the main topic was database and natural inside Docker containers. And I think I've talked about this topic um, in one of the last episodes of the podcast because it was already a hot topic at the last user group and also at the international user group. However, now natural and database are officially supported inside Docker containers. So if you try the October release and install the latest version of AWS and Natural, you are now able to run AWS and Natural inside a container and get full support from Software AG. So you can even run the environment, your production environment, inside a Docker container now. So why would you want to run database inside a Docker container? Well, to be honest, I don't really know and I wouldn't do that. But one of the use cases that we will try out, I guess in the next weeks or months, will be to run our RPC, our natural RPC service inside a Docker container. What's interesting about that is that we would be able to scale the RPC service with just a single yeah, click or command line script. So if we want to scale up because we have many requests coming into AWS and Natural, we can deploy a second RPC server container. And if we use the right infrastructure, for example, Kubernetes and a load balancer, we would be able to reduce the load on our existing RPC servers, for example. Or if the RPC servers go down for whatever reason, natural error or whatever happens, then Kubernetes would be able to spin up a new RPC server container that replaces the old one. So there won't be any downtime if your RPC servers crash. What's important is that with natural, there wouldn't be any problem if you start up an additional container with AdaBase, um it doesn't yet work. So you can't really cluster your database database right now. If you spin up a second database container that accesses the same underlying data, you will have lots of problems. So database is not yet ready to be clustered. However, SoftwareG is working on that. So maybe in the next big version in 2019, we will be able to cluster database so that you can spin up additional database containers, additional database nuclei, and have a real database cluster. So if one of the containers crashes, then the others would take over immediately. Right now, you can just 
do something like a failover scenario. So if you have an database container and the container crashes, then Kubernetes can spin up a new database container that takes over the work of the crashed container, but you still have a downtime in between. So it's not a real cluster, it's just a failover mechanism. However, it's better than having nothing. So if your database database is mission critical, like in our company, I think a failover is more than we have now. If our database database really crashes, we can't do anything about it. We have to restore this one database. If we had the possibility to just spin up another database container within a few seconds, that would really help us a lot. So, you see, SoftRAG is really working on interesting stuff. Natural One, an Eclipse-based environment, is now the single editor for working with Natural. You're able to deploy all of that from within Jenkins with these ARN files that can be generated with just a right click. You can put Adabase and Natural inside a Docker container. You can use Web Methods NTRX for publishing your Natural applications as REST services and do some real API management with that. Of course, there are additional products by SoftRAG, uh, like an API portal, which I didn't even mention today. And lots of interesting things going on inside the Adabase Natural community. And that's what I want to talk about now and which is the last topic of today's episode because my colleague Markus presented at the user group the findings of his bachelor's thesis. He decided to write a tool for analyzing natural code and integrating this tool with Sonacube, a well-known code quality tool that you can install on a server, but also inside Natural One. So the developer can right-click on an error message or a code hint that's displayed by this tool and you can even do a real refactoring. So one of the examples would be to find unused local variables. Of course, the refactoring would be to simply delete the line so you don't really need any help with that other than showing what variable isn't used. But if you want to rename a variable, for example, then you'll definitely need the help of your IDE. You cannot simply search and replace a string inside the natural code because this string might only be the same as the variable name accidentally. For example, it's part of a comment or whatever. And the tool that's written by my colleague, which is called NutLint, uh, linter is a tool that analyzes source code and makes suggestions for improving it. And this tool now helps you, for example, renaming the variable by finding all the occurrences of the variable. The tool has access to the abstract syntax tree of your natural program. So it definitely knows where the variable is used and can now rename the variable in all of the places. So Nutlin solves two problems that we have when we work with natural, when we program with natural. The first thing is to help the natural developers improve the code by offering these refactorings. For example, remove unused variable, rename variable, rename subroutine, extract into subroutine. So lots of small little refactorings that really make your daily life easier. But it also provides an overview of your 
whole application's code quality. The integration with SonarCube allows it to run, for example, after each uh, continuous integration build, and you can see a trend. You can see if the natural sources get better or worse, if there are new code smells introduced with the latest commits, or if there are some code smells that are removed by the developers. So you get something like a quality gate. You can even have your build fail if SonarCube reports too many bugs in a commit. And this really makes our life as natural developers easier. You can do some of the boring tasks inside your IDE, like renaming a variable in many different places, without introducing errors, because the IDE handles the refactoring now. And you also get feedback on your programming. The IDE shows you possible bugs, for example, opening a work file and not closing it within the same module. Or it helps you to adhere to your company's coding standards. For example, you can define that all the local variables should be started with the hash sign. And the natlint plugin now shows you all the variables that don't confirm to this standard. And right inside the IDE, there's also a hint on why this standard should be followed. So you can actively learn something new about working with your natural application. And this can, of course, also be used for training new developers. So Nutlint is really, really cool. And we use it for a few months already. So if you want to know anything about the tool, please contact me and I will bring you together with Marcus so that you can ask him all of your questions because actually he knows way more about the tool than me because he's the one who programmed it. And if you would like to do that, I recommend you take a look at the show notes for this episode, which you can find at legacycoder.com slash seven, the number seven, the digit seven. And you'll find a contact form there and you can simply send me an email and I'll be glad to help you. And this brings me to the end of today's episode. So what's next? The German Adabase and Natural User Group meeting will be held at Alte Oldenburger, I've mentioned that before, in April 2019. If you would like to join us contact me and um, yeah or you, you can also contact software ag they organize the event and there will be an online registration form so you just have to sign up and you're welcome to join us in april and if you're not from germany or can't make it in april then i would love to see you at the iog which is held in riga next year at uh, the beginning of june And I'm already pretty excited because this will be my first non-German user group. Or, well, no, that's not really true. I was in Austria last year, but um, it will be my first IOG not in a German-speaking country. Let's put it this way. And I'm excited to see what other natural customers worldwide have created and maybe there will already be some customers who run Adabase and Natural in a Docker container. Who knows? But to be honest, it's not really that important to be on the leading edge of natural development like we at Alte Oldenburger possibly are. Um, what we discussed at our user group is 
that many of the attending companies would love to see other customers present their findings, their projects, their systems even. We would love to see what other customers are doing with Adabase Natural, what problems they solve with Adabase Natural. But this is only possible if other customers present at these user groups. And this is true for the German user group and also for the international user group. So if you have an interesting topic for a talk at your local user group or the international user group, please contact Software AG. They would love to put you on the agenda for the next meeting. And I guarantee that many of the other customers will appreciate your input. And from my personal experience, of course, I know that presenting at a user group is a lot of work. You have to create a presentation, you have to practice it and all of that. But your presentation doesn't have to be half an hour or an hour long. Start small. For example, we decided that at the next German user group, there will be a few lightning talks that are only 10 minutes long, for example, and where individual customers present what they do with Adabase and Natural. And this doesn't have to be a fancy PowerPoint presentation. It can simply be a live demo where you show your system and tell the other customers what you do with Natural. And maybe this could also be interesting for the next international user group. I'll be at the president's meeting in December where we discuss the topics for the next IOG in Riga And I think it's a good idea to also introduce lightning talks to the next IUG. So if you listen to this episode and already have a topic in mind, contact me and I'll see what we can do about your presentation at the next user group. So this was my call to action for this episode. Please share your findings, your natural experience with other customers because we would all benefit from that okay so i'm done for today thank you for listening and feel free to get in contact with me here's the url of the show notes again legacycoder.com slash seven and maybe we'll meet each other at the next local or international user group thank you for listening to the legacy coder podcast and until next time bye Thank you.